Amen. It's good to see my buddy, Sister Angela, Madison, and Eric. Always good to see them. Always good to be with them. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 20, and also Psalms chapter 40, verse 4. Don't forget, if you got to, um, I might, you still might have a last minute, if you got to run to the men's room, ladies' room, we always say, try to go before we start preaching. And that way, the preaching, that folks will not be distracted while you're running to the men's room or ladies' room. Um, so if you need to go, probably can run real quick. We don't want to stop you there, but we want you to go if you have to while we are not so engaged in the preaching of the word. But um, if you have your Bible, iPad, um, whatever you have, whatever you read the scriptures with, uh, will you go to Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 20, and then Psalms chapter 40, verse 4. Psalms chapter 40, verse 4. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 20 says, And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be. This is the Lord talking. For they are a very forward generation, a children in whom is no faith. Psalms chapter 40, verse 4 says, Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust. Today I want to talk to you on this topic. Unbelief condemns, but faith transcends. Unbelief condemns, but faith transcends. One more time, Lord Jesus, we ask you to move by your spirit, by your power throughout this congregation. I pray, Lord God, that every heart will be spoken to. You said your word will not go out and return unto you void, but let it accomplish that which you will have it to accomplish. We pray, Lord God, that you will touch every ear that they may hear what the Spirit is saying unto them. Father, I pray that you'll anoint me one more time and use me as your instrument and oracle to rightly divide the word of truth. Now, I pray, Lord God, that the word of God will transcend us into a new dimension in you. We ask you these things in Jesus' name. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Don't forget, on the 30th is our picnic, July 30th. Our picnic will be in Veterans Park here in Hamilton, New Jersey. Uh, we are doing T-shirts. The T-shirts are right now at $15. Could be a little less. Um, usually how T-shirt orders go, the more you order, the less money you pay. And so we started out 15. If it's less than that, we'll give you money back. But see, my wife, if you would like a T-shirt ASAP, we need to get the order in. And so if you um, uh, have placed an order in the past, make sure you see her to give her your size. If you want to place an order now, make sure you see her to give her your size and a deposit or pay the whole thing if you can. Again, they're $15, but hopefully it'll be less, and um, we don't have a problem giving your money back. You know how certain um, entities, they take your money, and when it's time for a refund, it's just a whole lot of problems? <laughs> Not in this church. We would be glad to give you back money if um, it comes up less than 15. I think it will, but get your T-shirt. We want to represent the Lord. Again, what's the, we have a few reasons why we're doing our picnic. One of the reasons is 
Obviously, we want to have fellowship with Christian people. We want to enjoy ourselves together. Obviously, we want to eat and just be merry. But the other thing, too, is we want people to know in our community. This is why we want to be in Veterans Park, because Veterans Park is the park in Hamilton. And so we want to be in Veterans Park where people can pass by and they can see our T-shirts, see us and ask us about our church so we can be a witness a witness. The past two Thursdays, we talked about how to be an effective witness in leading people to Jesus Christ. We want to be a witness. If we're in church and we're not being a witness, then we have not engaged with the real purpose and plan of God. For God started the mission, which was to seek and to save the lost. He started that mission and he ascended to heaven and left us to continue with the mission. So if we are God's people and we're a part of the church and we're not uh, operating in that mission, then we have not yet engaged in our purpose in God. So when we have our picnic, yes, it's to eat, it's to have a good time, it's to make sure our children have a good time and us have a good time, fellowship and play games, but it's also promotion. Somebody say promotion. Amen. We want to promote Christ-centered church in this community and the surrounding areas because we will reach the lost. I, I smile all the time because I know what this church is going to be like. I know in a few years from now, this will be a diverse church. We will have people from many different backgrounds, many different cultures. We will be a church that is very skilled in the word of God so we can really help people to understand the mission of Jesus Christ and who he is. We will be an effective church. We will be a church that will raise up men and women of God that will know how to um, go out and, and, and start other churches. If God tarries, this church that you see today will not be what you will recognize in some years from now. It will be fantastic. It's going to be awesome. And we're going to do some great things for the Lord before he returns. So if this is where God wants you to be, trust me, you're going to experience something amazing. And all the things that we're experiencing now is for us to look back two, three, four years from now to just when we sit back and eat and to laugh and say, you remember this? Remember when we were in the firehouse? Remember this happened? Remember that happened? This is just how things happen. Just think about your own family. You can go back and look at things that you can look back and say, wow, whew, look where the Lord brought us from. Amen. So we're going to have a good time, and God is going to do some good things, some great things in our lives. But I want to talk to you today on this topic. Unbelief condemns, but faith transcends. Somebody say, unbelief condemns, but faith transcends. Amen. And so we want to talk about that today. The Bible talks about these two texts. These two texts will serve to show the difference um, um, and estimate which God has of unbelief and of faith. He says unbelievers in the text taken from Deuteronomy, there are, they are a very forward generation, a children in whom there is no faith. And so uh, right off the bat, we look at this text to realize when there's unbelief working in your life, there is no faith. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, that but without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is God and that he's a rewarder to them that diligently seek him. And so we can't get God to do what God wants to do in our life if we're going to operate with no faith. And when unbelief is operating in our life, there's no faith. So we're going to have to deal with unbelief because unbelief 
uh, hinders faith. Unbelief is not going to be present with faith. Oh, because unbelief stands alone and faith stands alone. There's, there is no faith and unbelief next to each other. Faith, either you have faith and you operate in faith or either unbelief is operating in your life. And atheists or atheists are not the only unbelievers. Many times when we think unbelievers, the first thing we start thinking about are people that don't go to church. We think unbelievers, we're thinking about people that, 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 that says, I don't believe in God. I'm atheist or I'm this or I'm that. And, that, and we start thinking, well, okay, they don't believe in God. But I want to tell you today that it's not just people who proclaim they don't believe in God. It's not just atheists that says we don't believe in those kind of things that are unbelievers. There are people that come to church that are unbelievers. There are people that Sunday in, Sunday out, they come to church and they struggle with unbelief because unbelief is not a joke. And unbelief is trying to take you over. Unbelief is trying to stop faith from ever entering in, into your life. And so unbelief is, is trying to take a hold of us. And so we don't want to come to church and feel like, oh, because I'm in church, unbelief is not operating in my life. We have to say, God, if there's any unbelief in me, we need to say, Lord, help my unbelief. Because there was a man of God that went before the Lord and he had to ask God. He prayed. He said, Lord, help my unbelief. And I pray today that somebody will cry out to God and say, Lord, help my unbelief. Because unbelief is a real thing and unbelief is in the heart and the mind of people that do come to church unbelief there are those who do not doubt for a moment the existence of God there's some that they don't doubt for a moment that that God is good and that he does exist there's some that really know there is a God he is good and so they know that they know that the word of God is, is, is infallible and it's, and it's really the holy word from the Lord. And yet they are entertained with unbelief in their heart. And so there are people that says Jesus is God. There are people that saying, yes, I know the word of God is true, but yet there's unbelief that's working within us. Uh, a deadening spirit of unbelief is in us that we have to say, God, uh, I can't live like this. I can't let unbelief rule over me. I can't let unbelief uh, zap everything out of me. I need unbelief to get out of me. Unbelief. It's not something we want to admit to because we're figuring if I'm here, then I, I believe God. I, I believe in God. I'm here. I believe in the word of God. And so we don't allow unbelief. We, we, we don't reason with that, that side of our mind and our brain that's saying, ah, you know, there may be some unbelief. But I've come this morning to bring it to the focus, to the, to the forefront of our minds to say, should I examine my heart to say, is there any unbelief in my heart? Hebrews chapter 3, verse 14 through 19. For we are made partakers of Christ. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Verse 16, for some, when they had heard, did provoke, 
Howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. We're going somewhere now. But with whom was he grieved 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not? So we see that they could not enter because of unbelief. Now, that might sound like a whole bunch of jargon and mumble-jumble that I just said. But let me say it a little plainly for you. Israel, God's people originally, was in bondage, sin, captivity for 400 years. And they prayed and they cried out to God. And finally God sent them their deliverer, Moses. And Moses led them out of Egypt, out of, out of their bondage, out of their stronghold. And he led them out. And they came out. And God took them up in the wilderness because there's got to be a cleansing when God take you out of sin to bring you into his kingdom, into righteousness. There has to be a cleansing. Somebody say a cleansing. And so God took them out of their sin, out of the bondage that they were in and brought them into the wilderness to clean them up, to cleanse them and to set his guidelines and his laws in order for them to live by. But as Moses brought them out and they were in the wilderness, they began to murmur and complain. They began to, to, to have issues with what was going on now in their life. And so they complained and they complained. And so they started murmuring and complaining. And God allowed them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Can I say this as clear as I can say it? That when we have unbelief, we will be a people that will wander with, aimlessly with no direction and no purpose, then we die. That's what happened to the children of Israel that were supposed to be people of God because of unbelief. Unbelief caused us to murmur. Unbelief caused us to complain. Unbelief caused us to continue to make excuses. And so when we have unbelief, what we do is we never get anything done. We just wander aimlessly. We find ourselves being tossed to and fro by every wind and we just wander aimlessly and get nothing done and get nothing accomplished because there is unbelief belief and when that happens uh, God just takes his hand off of us uh, and we will wonder and wonder aimlessly until we die with no God he showed us with the children of Israel his very children that he loved that he just delivered out of bondage from 400 years of bondage he delivered them and then allowed them to wander for 40 years aimlessly walking around he was still doing miracles, by the way, while they were wondering, and they still murmured. What were some of the miracles? Shoes didn't wear out. Clothes was good. They didn't have to buy anything. They didn't need any food. 
he was still doing miracles. So while they were complaining, they didn't stop to say, my God, he's still taking care of us. He is Jehovah Jireh, like he says, the Lord that provides. And I'm here to tell you this morning, let's not take God for granted. Let's not realize, let's realize that some of the things that we have not looked at, we need to start looking at them, that God is taking care of us. God is still blessing us. God is making a way for us. God is providing for us, but sometimes we can not look at that and worry about the things we have no control over and then say, God, why isn't this happening? God, why isn't that happening? And God is saying, am I not taking care of you? Am I not in your life and still providing for you? Just let me work the way that I will work, not the way you want me to work. They didn't see it. They just, they just, they just kept complaining. God can't help people that just complain. Complaining means there's a strong control of unbelief in your life. And as much as you probably say to yourself, how can I have unbelief? I I repented of my sins. I pray. I believe. How can unbelief be in my life? But if we're complaining, we do have unbelief. If we're murmuring, we do have unbelief. Isn't there a scripture that says that all things work together for good? To them that love God, what I need to always check myself on is saying, do I love God? Am I called according to his purpose? Because if I am, everything that's happening around me, I need to say, God, I know you have it under control. I just need to do my part in making sure faith operates in my life and unbelief does not get a hold of me. Because if unbelief get a hold of me, then God's will is not being done in my life. They wondered 40 years. They didn't have to wonder 40 years. So just understand, when there's unbelief, you will wonder aimlessly. Now, understand this. Because I'm doing good on my job, because I'm making good money, because some other things is in place, doesn't matter, that doesn't, doesn't mean I'm not wondering aimlessly. Because what God really wants to talk about is, are you walking in faith as we talked about a couple of weeks ago? Are we walking by faith? Are, are we trusting God in what we do? Are, are we doing our own thing? Me uh, obtaining financial gain and material things doesn't mean uh, that I'm not wondering aimlessly. Working on my job, spending time and doing good doesn't mean I'm not wondering aimlessly because listen to this. We can all work for the rest of our life and do well and make good money. But if we don't have Jesus in our life, all of that will be for nothing. Solomon say vanity, vanity. Oh, all is vanity. And no matter what I accomplish financially, no matter what I accomplish materially, no matter what I accomplish educationally, it still cannot compare with the things of God. God didn't create me to say All I need you to do is to accomplish material things and accomplish a great degree. God didn't bring me into this world for me to be all educated or brought me into this world to accomplish material things. He brought me here to help accomplish his purpose. Does he want me to be educated? Yes, he does. Does he want me to have a good job? Yes, he does. Does he want me to have things that I enjoy? Yes, he does. But that's not why he brought me here. 
God is just good that while we're here, Eric, while we're here, he's, he's going to make us enjoy ourselves. He's just that good. You're going to enjoy yourself while you're here, but that's not why you're really here. <laughs> that's not why you're here. Really here. The mission of Jesus Christ is to be continued by us. And so they wandered aimlessly for a long time, 40 years. They wandered aimlessly and they never made it in to the promised land. If we have unbelief, we will wonder and we won't make it in to the promised land called heaven. And so it's not just atheists that demonstrate unbelief. Unbelief comes from people that attend church. Unbelief comes from people that say, I know God is real. Unbelief comes from people that praise. So when we think unbelief, let's not think, oh, it's the people that don't go to church. Because unbelief can creep into us. Unbelief is forwardness. They are a very forward generation, children in whom is no faith. It means, when we talk about forward, it means perverse or fraudulent. When you read the Bible, it says you, they, they were a forward generation. It means they were perverse or they were fraudulent. They were frauds. Unbelief is a very forward thing because it is very often, uh, it is often unreasonable. It, it demands things of God that is not reasonable. When Thomas said, except I put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into your side, I will not believe. He was speaking very forwardly, okay? I was, I, I have heard people say, oh, if I could have a dream. Or if God could just show me real clearly what he wants to do. Or if God can give me some special revelation, then I will believe. You're only fooling yourself. That's unbelief and that's fraudulent. That's forwardness when we sit and we say, God, if you can just give me a revelation, man, God, if you can just show me something, a sign, man, God, if you would just do this, God, don't respond to stuff like that. You're fraudulent. It's unbelief. And you're trying to put God in a situation to try to say if you can get him to do what you want, really, if you can just, when God says, the just shall live by faith. That's what he said. The just shall live by faith. Matter of fact, that same Thomas, he said to Thomas, you blessed because you, 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 you was able to see. But he says, blessed are those that don't see who still believe. So what, what Jesus is trying to show him is, it's one thing to see it and believe it. But you're not impressive when you see it and believe it. It's one thing to say, yeah, 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 when it's clear. God said, that's not who I'm looking for. I'm looking for people that will believe it and have confidence in it even when it don't look like it. And that's what God is looking for, for people that will have complete trust in him even when you don't know how it's going to happen. Even though you don't know how it's going to work. God is saying, I'm looking for people that will have complete confidence and trust in me even when you don't look like it. He's shown us many times. Now listen to this. In Luke chapter 16, love this portion of scripture, Luke chapter 16, we talking about unbelief, that when we have unbelief, 
we will not be able to please God. We will not make it in. And we will be fraudulent if we have unbelief working in us. Luke chapter 16, verse 27 says this. Then he said, I pray thee thereafter, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. You'll catch it in a second. For I have five brothers that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. The rich man and Lazarus. The rich man, while he was living, had a good time. Life was good. He lived good. Lazarus didn't live so good, but Lazarus was a God-fearing man. The rich man died, and the Bible says, in hell he lifted up his eyes. Which tells us, whether we want to believe it or not, when a sinner dies, when when an unbeliever dies, let's use that word, when an unbeliever dies, they lift up their eyes immediately in hell. They become aware immediately that they're in hell when an unbeliever dies. The Bible says when Lazarus died, he was carried away in Abraham's bosom. And so now we have the rich man says that he was in hell experiencing torment. And so here's the conversation going on. So he's in hell. And so verse 29, Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and the prophet. Let them hear them. So what, 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 what the rich man says is, I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come to this place. What the rich man is saying, I know that if somebody will leave from hell, escape hell, to get back to earth, to tell people in the earth, that, man, you don't want to go down there. I was just down there. It is no joke. What Jesus, because this red letters, was telling them was, don't you believe the hype that if somebody was in hell and they were able to escape hell and came back and tell us about hell, we all will get saved. Yes, that's, that's, that's what I mean by unbelief is fraudulent. Because when unbelief is working, we would make up things like, if you just would have shown me a sign, if you just would have explained it better, if you just would have told me ahead of time, if there was just something, I would have never messed up. No, you have unbelief. And because of your unbelief, you are being fraudulent now. Now you're lying. You're really saying something that's not really true. Do we have scripture for that? Sure we do. Let's go on a little bit right here. And see what it says. Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and the prophet. Let them hear them. So what Jesus is saying is, I'm God. I know the story, how this works. I know the story. Even if I let someone come from hell to preach to you about hell, if you're not going to believe, you're just not going to believe. Right, Brother Sam? You're not going to believe, you're just not going to believe. Don't don't make no story up. If you're not going to believe, you're not going to believe. But it's not nobody's fault. It's not because God ain't doing something. It's not nothing. Either you believe God or you don't believe him. And so he's saying that even if one of them go back, it won't change a thing. It, It won't change a thing. Let them hear the preachers. This is why the Bible says God chose the foolishness of preaching to save who? Mm -mm, that That ain't where I'm going. 
He chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Ah. God chose the foolishness of preaching to, because you can't be saved if you don't believe. And it's the preaching of the word that will save you. But I can preach till I'm blue in the face. You can hear, you can hear good preaching anywhere you go to where God will send you. But if unbelief is working, you won't be saved by the preaching. It must be by faith. When you hear the preach word, it must be mixed with faith for you to hear it and say, yes, Lord, I will trust you, Lord. I will believe you, Lord. I will obey you, Lord. It's through that that you will be delivered. It's through that that you will be saved is when the word is preached and you receive it with faith. But if it's unbelief, uh uh-oh, even if they leave from hell to come up here and tell us. Isn't that hurtful? I even put my own self in that situation like, man, God, am I that messed up? That I would be so caught up in my unbelief that somebody came from hell and told me how real hell is and I'm talking about yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, you right. I hear you. I hear you, Doc. And still don't change my life. Look at verse 30. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. Hmm, yeah, okay. This is what he said. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses... And the prophets, neither will they hear, neither will they be persuaded through one that rose from the dead. So whether somebody come from hell or somebody come from the grave, if they tell us about how real it is and we don't want to go there, if unbelief is working in our life, we will still not hear them. We will still not be persuaded. That's why it's important this morning for us to say, Lord, help my unbelief. Because I realize unbelief is a detriment to me. Unbelief will keep me from going to heaven. Unbelief will keep me from experiencing the blessings of God. Unbelief will stop my eternal prosperity in Jesus. I need to have belief. And so God, if there's unbelief in me, help my unbelief. Oh, my God. Help us today, Lord Jesus. We need you to help our unbelief. I can't imagine what Jeremiah the prophet went through. The Bible called him the weeping prophet. And what it means is God gave Jeremiah the prophetic word to preach to a generation that were forward. And Jeremiah would preach. And he knew he heard from God. He would cry and say, hear the voice of the Lord. Hear the word of God. And people would just live their life and act like he just wasn't preaching. And they just act like what he said didn't matter. And he kept preaching. And he kept weeping. And he kept preaching. And he kept weeping. But the people wouldn't change because of their unbelief. Oh, God, will you do something? Will you move on us? I've prayed so many times that God, 
let them know, let them understand. But I'm, I'm back here at this text and God is saying, if they don't have faith, if they don't trust me, if they don't believe me, no matter how much you preach, they won't listen. No matter how much you preach, they won't do it because they need to have faith. Oh, God, help us today. Oh, God, that when the preached word is being preached in our soul. Oh, God, you have a choice. If you got belief working in you, then begin to exercise your belief. But if there's unbelief and this word is not helping you, you need to say, God, I don't know how this can work. I don't know how you can do it. But there's unbelief in me. And if I stay in that state with unbelief, I will be lost eternally. So, God, how can you help my unbelief? I know you are a just God. I know you are a loving God. I know you are a caring God. I know you died for us. But how can this unbelief be helped? I can't be in this state, Lord God. Oh, my God, help us today. I can't stay in this state of unbelief, God. I can't stay. In the state of unbelief. You see, unbelief condemns us. We talked about this before. Unbelief condemns. When you are in unbelief, there is no hope. When unbelief is working in your life, there is no hope. When unbelief is reigning in your soul, you are destined for condemnation. It condemns you. There is no deliverance when you are living in unbelief. Though they're in living in unbelief, there is no deliverance for them. Unbelief condemns. It provides no hope and will cause you to wander aimlessly with no purpose, no direction. And then you die, you never enter into heaven. Unbelief condemns. Unbelief stops your dreams. Unbelief stop what God wants to do in your life. Unbelief prevents you to walk in your purpose. Unbelief stop the will of God from being done in your life. And so today we must say, God, help my unbelief because uh, you created me with purpose. Uh, You called me into the kingdom for such a time as this. Uh, And while I don't understand everything that you do or not do, uh, and while I don't understand how everything works, uh, I know all things work together for good. I know all things work together for good. I'm not worried about signs. I'm not worried about what it looked like. I know the prophet Elijah said it's going to rain. And while there were no clouds in the sky, he said it will rain because he heard from heaven. And if heaven said it's going to rain, it's going to rain. It's going to rain. If heaven said it will happen, it will happen. It's going to happen. Whatever God says, it's going to happen. The question becomes, do I have belief and trust in God or do I stand on the sidelines with unbelief? Do I get worried? And say, well, God, you got to show me. Well, God, you got to show me. Can I tell you this? God shows people things that are in relationship with him. We, we don't have relationship with God and we want God 
to, to reveal his secrets to, to us when we're not in relationship with him, when we're not close to him, when we're not oh, having an intimate relationship with him. We want him to show us great things and secret things. And God is saying, you'll get your son. You will get your daughter. But let me work with the basics first. Let's get that relationship right before I can reveal some other things to you. So when we're not close with God, we're saying, God, reveal this to me. God is saying, slow your roll. You're not at the place right now to get secrets revealed to you. You need to have faith working in your life. Get your relationship with me matured and developed. And then when you start walking with me, then me and you can cut deals. Oh, God help us this morning. What, what, what I heard a man preach, God does business with his friends. We want God to do business with us and we don't have a close relationship with him. We want God to do things that we say, come on, God, let's do. And God is saying, are you kidding me? I do business with my friends. This is why Abraham was able to say, God, if it's 50 righteous in Sodom and Gomorrah, we are spirit of city. He was he was making deal with God. He said, if there are 50 righteous, we are God says, yes, I will. He was making deals. Then he said, okay, I got, I've got the, the, the privilege here to make deals with God. Me and God is all right. He went down. What about 40? What about, and God kept saying, yeah, he was working deals with God. Now, we know we ain't find, we only find Lot and his, um, his, his, his two daughters that escaped that place. But the bottom line was he had that privilege to be able to make deals with God. God only make deals with his friends. God only does things with them that are close to him. So we need to cut it out trying to make deals with God when our relationship is suffering, when our relationship is not good. We can't make deals with God until we become his friend, until we become close to him. That's when we can make deals with God. Oh, help me, Jesus. We make deals with God when we get close. Right now, for all of us that, 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 that they don't, don't have that privilege to make deals with them, all we can do is say, God, I believe. God, I trust. That's all we got to do is walk in faith. All we got to do is say, God, I don't understand it, but I trust you. I don't understand it, but I will believe you. That's what we need to do right now. Not try to work deals because deals, we're, we're not in the position to work deals. We need to get a relationship. We need to get close. We need to get tight. We need to become a friend of God. By being born again, it don't mean we're a friend of God. There was few people that got close to God that was able to say, I'm a friend of God. We sing, sing that song, I'm a friend of God. And I know sometimes people, you know, I don't get on my righteous soapbox and start telling people, well, everybody not a friend. Ah, I know that. No sense. Leave, leave folks alone. Let folks figure that out through reading and through preaching. You ain't got to tell people. It ain't right to sing the song, I'm a friend of God, because everybody ain't a friend. <laughs> people like to check people. Yeah, they just get so petty sometimes. We singing, I am a friend of God. And people sending text messages and face, FaceTime and tell you, you can't sing that because everybody not a friend of God. Come on now. We know all that. Leave the people alone. They sing it in faith, right? They sing it in faith. They know one day they're going to become a friend of God. So they sing it, I'm a friend of God. I may not be a friend right now, but I'm going to be a friend soon. Because God wants us to be friends with him. Get hung up on so many little silly stuff. Can't sing that. You're not a friend. Everybody not a friend of God. Faith is the missing link between us 
in God. Faith is the missing link between us and God. And so a lot of times, uh, a lot of times we're in a place where we're not comfortable with what's going on around us. We're not sure what God is doing. We're not sure how things are working. And we want to move along in our walk with God, and we're wondering, how does that work? And I'm here to tell you, faith is that missing link. Faith is that link that you need in your life in order to start moving on, in order to start getting deeper in God, in order to start building your intimate relationship with God. Let me stop right here and say this. What is faith? I told you all this the other day. I went into Mercer County Correctional Facility, and when I went... The, 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 one of the guys said to me, he hadn't been to class in a few weeks, and um, it's funny. Everywhere you go, people struggle with their relationship with God. People are challenged to walk right and talk right. And so I hadn't seen this guy in a while. He's a nice guy, but he was just missing Bible study at the, at, at the workhouse for a minute. I'm like, man, you know, I haven't seen my man in a while. And I walked in last Friday, and he was waiting for me. He says, Ask my bunkie. I've been waiting all week because I need to talk about faith. I need to know what faith is. This is why I'm three weeks into faith because God knows everything and we don't know everything. So he's having me preach about faith three weeks in a row for whatever the reasons are. I, I don't know. But I know down when I went to Mercer County, dude was waiting for me. He didn't know what the lesson was going to be about. He tapping me. I need to know what faith is. And I showed him the paper because I do printouts and take with me and teach from giving them handouts. And so I showed him a handout. I said, we're going to talk about faith today. I don't know if he heard anything in the class after that. I, I don't know if he heard anything else. And he wanted to hear about faith. I don't know if he heard anything else because he was just lost. He couldn't believe that God was that powerful. That all week long he wants to know. He All week in his heart, I need to know about faith. I need to understand faith. All week long in, in, in the cell, in his prison cell, he wanted I need to know about faith. And then I showed up. Wasn't because he said faith. So the paper really killed him because it's not like I just wanted to agree with him. Okay, yeah, we're going to talk about faith today. I showed him the printout. See, here's the printout. And that was the printout that said we walk by faith, not by sight. He just, he couldn't, he, he, he didn't understand what was going on. And, and lucky for me, I, I, you know, I've dealt with God a few times. And so I was able to keep my composure because I knew what was going on because I know how God worked. But my goodness. But he wanted to know what faith is. And as we got into the lesson, we got to the, the, the core of what faith is. And don't forget this. Faith, faith. Listen to what faith is. Faith is knowing, is having the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. Right? You got to start there. Let me, I'll explain to you why you got to start there. You got to know that Jesus Christ is the name of God. Jesus Christ is God. The name of God is Jesus Right? So the invisible God became visible. That's who he is. So when we say Jesus, we're really calling God by his, we're calling God by his name. That's what we're doing. All right? So you must know that first. Now stop and think for a second here. If you stop there, that should really, really make you have complete trust in him. That's faith. Knowing who God is than having complete trust in him. Once you know who he is, Maddie, you got to have complete trust in him because, listen to this, because people are struggling with this still today, and we're blessed and fortunate to not have to struggle with it. 
that in the beginning, the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the earth. And God created while he was invisible. As a spirit, he just moved and created with no hands, no feet, no nothing. He was just the spirit moving. And then as time went on, he already had the plan. But as time went on, he said, enough. They've had enough of me now moving where they couldn't see me. Doing miracles while they can't see me. They just know I'm doing stuff. Talking to them. They can't see me, but they can hear me. Enough of that. I'm going to go now and make myself visible to them. Because when I created man, I created man because that's how I was going to come to the earth. So man, we, we, we don't realize, the Bible says we were created in his image. How is it we created in his image when man came on the scene before Jesus? Uh, God always drops something right right? If we were created in the image of God, right, how could we be created in his image and he wasn't visible seen? It's, it's not possible. But what it was was God already in his mind, knew that he was going to come as a man. Remember, there were no human made. So he already said, I'm going to become a man, so let me create them like what I'm going to come as. That's what he did. So just think about that. So now he went through the birth process. Because why? If he came any other way, he would be an alien. All right. So he had to figure out a way now to go through the birth process. This is Almighty God we're talking about. That says in the beginning God created. That's what we're talking about now. That's who created Adam and Eve. So he had to figure out a way to go through the birth process and was born into this world like me and you. Live as a baby like, and still was God. and all He was doing all that and still was God. Be a baby like that, being in arms crying, maybe. You know, that's why the, the, um, Mary, they got this, the, the song, Mary, did you know your baby boy would rule the world? Why is she mm, kissing her baby and, oh, my baby, my sweet baby. She was, she was rocking the cradle of almighty God. That's what she was doing. And he grew. He submitted to his stepdad and his mom. Why was it Abraham? Was, I mean, um, Joseph was his stepdad. Because he ain't had nothing to do with him coming. He just happened to be Mary's husband. <laughs> he was Mary's husband, so he was stepdad. And he submitted to his stepdad and his mom and his um, siblings. And he grew and he was a good boy. And he loved the Lord and all that good stuff. And then when all the work that he did for us died and ascended to heaven and sitting on the throne, he did all that. Why wouldn't I trust him? Why would not trust that dude right there? Why would not trust that dude? Because the stuff that he did, nobody else can do that. So that's why it's important to know him first. So when you know who he is, then you can trust him. Know him and trust. So faith is knowing who God is and having complete trust in him. Faith. Faith is the missing link. Faith has divine approval. Blessed, says God, is the man that maketh the Lord his trust. Wherever there is faith, God is pleased with it. 
For faith is the sure mark of God's elect. God loves faith because faith supplies the missing link between God and us. If we cannot perfectly keep his law, and we can't, for we have already broken it, yet if we trust him, our heart is right before him. The Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. What does that mean? If you try to do everything right, filthy rags, because none of us walking this earth can ever do enough right and say, look at me, I'm righteous. Nobody. Man, when I learned that, I didn't care what people thought about me. When I learned nobody can ever be righteous, I didn't care what nobody thought about me. Because I'm saying, how are you going to be so idiotic to criticize me and you got some issues? I'm serious. I, I, I think oh, when, when people start criticizing, most of the time I just try to skirt, skirt away because I'm just like ignorant. I don't want to be around because criticism is stupid. It is. Because none of us can be righteous. So how do I look, complain about Daryl when I can't be righteous? Now, if I could be righteous, then I'll complain about Daryl. But because I can't be righteous, and the only way I can be righteous is through obedience, so we put on his righteousness when we obey him. And that's the only way we can be considered. But what is that? It's faith. Because faith is the thing that can make you righteous, even though you're not righteous. Oh, help us, Jesus. And so faith is that missing link between us and Jesus. So none of us have to, none of us have to stay in a state of condemnation. Because all we need is faith. All we got to do is operate by faith. We don't deserve it, but because of faith. It will happen for us. We don't have the knowledge, but because of faith, it will work out for us. Can I just slip one nugget in for you? Don't struggle with this. Because it's not faith. It's subtle unbelief. Don't struggle with this. Don't try to figure out how God is going to do what God is going to do. I'm talking to somebody right now. When you start trying to figure out how God is going to do what he's going to do, unbelief is creeping in. And that is not good. It's going to destroy you if you try to figure out what, how God do what he does. Because you never know. And while you're trying to figure out what God is doing, you are, you are, you are not operating in faith. And so it will destroy you because you're going to always try to assess the situation. And what you think you are assessing might not be how it's going. And when it don't work the way we think it should go, then there's a big issue. Unbelief grab a hold of us, and it keeps us alienated from God for a good little while. Sometimes we don't even make it back. Other times we will fight our way back. But don't try. This is the word of the Lord. Don't try to figure out how God is going to do what he's going to do. For instance, if somebody's sick and they need healing, you don't need to know how God is going to do it. If you're broke and you need a financial blessing, you don't need to know how God is going to do it. If there's a relationship breakage and God wants you and that person to get back, don't try to figure it out. If there's something that God is doing, leave it alone. Just say, God, 
what am I supposed to do? I've watched and seen it where people get tangled up for a good minute because they needed to see how God, they need to understand how God's going to do it. Come on, he's God, man. Why are we trying to make it like we, 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 come on, come on. Let's not try to figure out how God is going to do it. It will cripple us. It will hinder faith in our life. I don't need to know how it's going to work, Lord. I don't need to know how you're going to do it. You've got the plan all worked out. I am just claiming it because I know you. And I have complete trust in you. That's all I need to know is who you are. And I have complete confidence and trust in you. And I believe you. Now, take it from there, Lord, because I don't know how you're going to do it. Because as God is working stuff, sometimes, man, I watch him bring things full circle. He's taking care of a hundred things all in one thing. We can't figure him out. He's almighty God. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. How are we going to figure him out? Just let him be. God. That's a big hindrance and take us into a state of unbelief. Because the way we think, and, and here's, an, here's, here's something the Holy Ghost wanted to let you know. And where God is not finished, this is the Holy Ghost, he just, he just added on. Where God is not finished as he's working out your problem, you thought he was done. And that's why you better not try to figure it out. Right? You prayed. And you see a little bit of movement going on. And you say, ooh, look at God. And you think that you caught on now to what God is doing. And all of a sudden, you say, all right. And you're claiming it. And God is saying, I'm not done yet. There's still more that I'm getting done. But God is not done and you're done. And that takes you in a place of now you're all like, oh, wait a minute. I thought I, you thought nothing. Don't think for God. This is why we don't try to figure out the plan, how he puts it together. Just say, God, I don't know nothing. I don't want to know nothing unless you want me to know it. But I know you. And this is what you're going to do. Listen. Let me say this before I close. Last Saturday, we had prayer meeting, like every Saturday, 6.30. And Cheryl told me, Sister Cheryl, Sister Parker, if you want to be official, Sister Parker said, Hey, Pastor, you know, it's this little girl, some family I know, little girl, um, nine months old. She's doing very bad, not good, not looking good. We're not sure if she's going to make it. She's in the hospital, and we need to pray. And I was somewhere over here walking because we always write our prayer requests on the board, and then we pray. And I walked over to write it down, and I says, God's going to answer that prayer. Because when you have a relationship with God, God kind of quickens you and lets you know there's some things he let me know and there's other things I don't know. Now, he said he would take care of it, but I kind of didn't say too much. I just said, God's going to take care of it. I said it real casually, but I know what he had put into my heart. But because I don't want to put the cart before the horse and think I know exactly how it's going to go, I cautiously say, God's going to take care of it. And so we prayed. And so I got a text from Sister Cheryl on Monday. Sister Cheryl said, I got goosebumps. <laughs> she said, I got goosebumps texting this message. I said, I'm reading the text. She said, not only did God touch the little girl's body and heal her, the little girl is at the hospital. What in the world is going on? Now we know God's a healer. My point is, I didn't know God was going to get her up that quick and ready. I didn't know that. I, was, I felt it in my spirit, but I didn't want to go out on limb talking about, oh, she's getting ready. Let me just leave it right there. It says, God's going to do something here. 
because I don't want to figure out how God does his business. Until he clearly tells me, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not saying it. I don't know how he works it all out. I remember I told you one time, guy asked me to pray for him, just came out of jail, and he was trying to get this job that he wasn't supposed to get because it paid a whole lot of money and he didn't have the qualifications like some other people. But when he asked me to pray for him, the Lord spoke to me and told me I'm going to give him that job. But tell him it's me that will give him that job and, ha- and tell him, don't forget it was me. That's what God told me. Tell him he will get that job because of me, but let him know. Remember, it was I that gave him the job. Don't forget that. God didn't go into no more details about that. I don't know nothing. I just said, brother, before I even lay hands on you, I'm telling you, the job is yours. God already told me you're going to get the job. You're going to be fine. But God want me to tell you it's because he's doing it, and you better not forget about him. Man, a couple of days, he called me. Oh, man, I already got the job. Paying $17, $18 an hour. Just came out. $17, $18 job. You two go find somebody to come out and sing, sing, and they don't get eight to $17, $18 out of, coming out of sing, sing. They don't. And so he came out of Sing Sing getting $17, $18. I said, just remember what I told you. God said it was him that did it. I don't know how God do these things. And I'm not trying to figure out the, 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 the pattern. I ain't got time to figure out the, the turns and the ups and the downs and the sides and the left. I don't have time to let Jesus worry about that. I am just having total confidence in him and what he does and what he says. And so we want to make sure that we understand faith is the missing link, but let's not try to figure out how he works it. All we need to do is have faith. Faith create peace. And I'm closing here. Faith create peace in your relationship with God. Why? Because if you're not trying to figure out everything and you're just having total confidence and trust in God, you have peace. Yes. You have peace. So no matter how it's going, you have complete trust in God. You just say, God, and you know, you can be honest with him. I, I get honest with him from this standpoint. I said, I don't like how this feels, God. I know you're working. I know you're doing what you want. I don't like how this feels. It's not, it's, it's not the way I would like for it to happen. But, but hey, I'm not telling you nothing. I'm trusting you still. I, I, I know you're working it out. I, I, it's cool. I, but but we're not always going to feel comfortable in the way how he does it. Remember I told you about the um, um, Naaman? We always talk about Naaman. He went to the prophet, and the, and, and the prophet said, dude, you got to go dip seven times in the Jordan. Oh, no. That dirty place, I am not doing that. We don't like the way God does things sometimes, but we just got to make sure we have complete trust and confidence in him. He's going to do it, whether the way we like it, the way we, we kind of see it, it doesn't matter. I'm not trying to see nothing. Matter of fact, that's what we talked about last week, that we walk by faith and not by sight. I'm not trying to see anything. I'm just trying to, what is that? Seek those things that are far above. The Bible says, for the things that are seen is temporal. But the things that are unseen is eternal. So I ain't got time to worry about looking at stuff. I'm not looking at that. That's why things don't really bother me a whole lot. Because I have complete confidence in God. And I just want God to just keep doing what he's doing. Yes, every once in a while what he's doing makes me uncomfortable. But I just have complete trust in him. And so faith gives us peace. I'm closing. Faith creates peace. And when we have confidence in God, we will have peace 
in God. It is not our responsibility to figure out how God is going to do it. That's God's responsibility. And that's the reason why faith creates peace. See, when you think you are responsible to make it happen, to work it out, you're going to always have turmoil. If you think you got to be the one to figure out the pattern, the plan, you're going to always have turmoil. But when you have complete confidence and trust in God, you have peace. Let's stand. Faith transcends. Unbelief condemns. It's time to get rid of unbelief out of our heart. It's time to get unbelief out of our heart. Faith will transcend from earth to glory. But unbelief will condemn to eternal damnation. Psalms 84 Verse 11 says this, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. You see that? S-U-N, not S-O-N. God is so amazing. The Bible says in Psalms, this, this scripture says, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. So he's giving you some sun and he's shielding you at the same time. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing Will he, oh, somebody look at this. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Come on now. What are we worrying about? What are we worrying about when he says no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly? So if I'm walking uprightly, it may not seem like it's going good or I might not be getting good things. But trust me, God will not withhold any good thing from you. If you walk uprightly, verse 12 says, oh, Lord of hosts, blessed is the man or woman that trusted in thee. When you walk upright and you trust in God, you are just blessed. Faith transcends. Unbelief condemns. Faith will rise you above. And brings you beyond. You rise above and you go beyond because of faith. Faith is understanding that Jesus Christ is the almighty God. And having complete trust in him. No matter what it looks like, trust him. Also, the Bible says, Abraham called those things that be not as though they were. And so what I'm telling you is, as long as it's the plan of God and it's the promise of God, you don't need to see it. Just speak it. Call those things that are not as though they were. Look at your children. And you don't have to look at them directly, but you can say when you get on your knees, when you stand and pray, just say, my son will be saved. My daughter will be saved. I don't care how they're living. They will be saved. Because that's me calling those things that are not as though they were. Because God promised that if we will serve him, he says he will, he, the promise will be to our children and to even those that are far off. And so the Bible tells us that. So we can say, my child will be saved. 
My children will be saved. My household will be saved. We can call those things that are not as though they were. And when you get low financially, you said, God, your word said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging bread. The Bible says, God says, I will supply all of your needs according to my riches in glory. The Bible has so many promises that God has made unto us. All you have to do is just claim them. Just begin to speak the promises of God. Begin to play, claim the promises of God. I want you to begin to claim God's promises. I want you to begin to say God's word about all of his promises and you will experience it. It is not the will of God that any should perish, but that all will come to repentance. That all will have eternal life. All the relationships that we struggle with, it is not God's will that we be at odds with one another. The Bible says that God love us, and so we should also love each other. By them shall men know ye are my disciples, when you have love one for another. And so all of these promises, you don't have to worry. If the relationships aren't working right, just say, God, they're not working right. But God, I trust you, and it's your will that we have relationship, good relationship, and love one another. Claim those promises. Claim those promises. Bow your heads and let's talk to the Lord just for a moment as we get ready to close. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we want faith to operate in our life. We want the word of God to be the authority in our life. And so as the word of God has given us promises. We claim them even now in Jesus' holy name. Lord, when you came to this earth, Lord God, when you manifest yourself that we may see you and know you, you healed the sick, Lord God. You cleansed the leper, Lord God. And so, Lord, for those that are sick among us, Lord God, I pray your healing. I pray your healing in their body. I pray wholeness in their body. For those, Lord God, that are struggling emotionally, I pray healing in their emotion in the name of Jesus Christ. For those that are not well spiritually, I pray healing for them spiritually, Lord God. Today, we claim your promises, Almighty God. We claim your promises, Almighty God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, today, we will operate in faith, O oh God. Today, Lord Jesus, we will operate according to faith. For Lord, we walk not by sight, but we walk by faith. And so today, Lord God, we stand on faith. We know faith is the link, Lord God, between us and you. And so today, we activate our faith, Lord God. We command to Oh God, the things and the will of God to take place in our life. That love, you said the love of God was shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. And God, you said in the last days you will pour out of your spirit upon all flesh. For every lie that the enemy has told anyone that not yet received the gift of the Holy Ghost. I pray that they will know, Lord God, that you have already stated it. You have already spoken it. You have already shown it to us, Lord God. And so now I pray that their faith will quicken them and let that be the link between you and them that as they lift their hands and begin to worship you the Holy Ghost will fall upon them and they will begin to speak with tongues and Lord even though the enemy is 
told them that they can't receive your spirit. The enemy has told them they can't speak with tongues. I command the power of God to fall upon them. And that lie that the enemy has told them, Lord God, will be removed from them. That, Lord, as you pour out your spirit, they will receive, they will worship, and let your will be done. Come on, let's lift our hands unto the Lord, and let's worship him right now in this place. Lift your hands and just say, Lord, I worship you. I want all that you have in store for me. You've called me. You've chosen me. And God, you have given me a promise that you will pour out your spirit upon me. You, Lord God, will pour out upon me. You, Almighty God, will touch my body. You, Almighty God, will heal me. And so today, Lord God, I claim my healing. I claim my the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I claim my promises for the blessings of God to flow in my life. Today, Lord God, I praise you. I bless your name, Almighty God. It is by faith that we will see the gift of God. It is by faith that we will experience the blessings of God. It is by faith that we will be healed. It is by faith that we will be strengthened. It is by faith that we will be saved. For God says, if we will have faith, we will experience salvation. Come on, somebody. The salvation of God is for you. The salvation is for you. Don't you let guilt, don't you let doubt creep in. Don't you let nothing stop you from claiming your promises from God for God today. And look down from heaven and say, my son, my daughter, don't you know I will never give up on you. Don't you know I will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't you know how much I love you. Don't you know I still have great plans for you. Don't you know you are a chosen vessel of God and God will move in your life. Don't you know that God has called you to the kingdom for such a time as this? Don't you know God has made provision for you in this hour? Don't you be weary. Don't you be weary in your well-doing for God has called you. God has chosen you and God is working it out. God is working it out. Just claim the will of God. Claim the promises of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I want Worship you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I adore you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah! Hallelujah! Come on, sing one more time with us. Hosanna! 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 Oh, hallelujah! Be lifted higher, my 
the frail peace of this world. Oh, God, transcends us, transcends us, transcends us, Lord God. Be lifted Higher, higher, be lifted higher. 